Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Soul of America radio broadcast. Tonight's episode is Let's Straighten It Out, starring Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy helps you work out and foster healthy relationships. Tonight's show is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio and hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. And now, without any ado, we take you directly to Let's Straighten It Out with Dr. Bo. I probably had, but I only remember my fifth birthday. 
So mm-hmm. that was kind of a big one for me because uh, we had, had a lot of friends that came over and we were doing a lot of different activities. So that was a pretty decent birthday. But um, well, your soul will do later on. Do one on family traditions and how people celebrate different traditions in the family. Right, right. Yeah. This is some some standard ones, but then there's some sort of crazy ones out there too. <laughs> Well, tonight we want to teach people how to fight right, and I want to make sure Uh-oh. that I put a disclaimer up here is that if you are involved in a dysfunctional relationship with domestic violence, this is not for you. Uh, <laughs> this is for people who have not-so-serious problems. If you've got domestic violence or serious relationship problems, then this show is not for you. This won't work for folks with uh, serious relationship problems, but uh, this is really to help couples to look at how they can work on their communication and conflict resolution to overcome some of the basic problems in life. We'd have to dedicate a different show for the more serious things, but we want to help people to understand that you can have arguments and disagreements without it becoming bitter and aggressive, and we want to help people look at how can you use this type of communication to actually strengthen your relationship because you learn how to resolve conflicts in a peaceful, cooperative manner that doesn't lead to violence and aggression. Um, And it's all talking about communication and conflict resolution. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, give people uh, some tips and things to do, and hopefully we might get someone to even call in and have some questions. So. Well, and and like you say, this um, we're we're not talking about the fighting that you do with your fists or gloves or no. World War Three. You know, this is just verbal fights, uh, mental well, disagreements or emotional disagreements. Yeah. So the rule is nothing physical and aggressive. There are other ways to work out your conflicts, and so that's what we want to talk about tonight. When we talk about conflict resolution in relationships and what I'm calling fight right. Um, the concept is fight fair. You know, when we were growing up, you know, you got in fights and you didn't have to worry so much about getting shot and some of the stuff that people have to deal with now. Um, there were rules. You you know, you fought fair. Uh, you know, you might get a rock or something thrown at you or a stick maybe, but that was about the extent of it. But, one of the things I encourage couples to think about, and this works with couples, whether they're married couples or dating or even with friends that you might be in a relationship with, um, the successful arguments go, and there are basically three steps or three things that you want to consider uh, when you have conflicts with someone. One is you want to state what bothers you um, and you want to do that using I statements and talking about specific behavior. If you tell someone you make me mad or you make me sick or whatever you make me is followed by, it tends to cause to make people to be defensive, and they don't hear what you're saying because they're too busy um, trying to defend themselves. And if you're feeling angry or frustrated, you would say something like, I get angry or I get frustrated when you do whatever the behavior is. And so you're basically separating the 
emotions that you have in reaction to that behavior from the behavior, and you're owning up to your emotions, and that person then can be held responsible for their behavior. So you want to state what's bothering you, because a lot of times, and this is more common with men than with women, a lot of times people won't admit or won't acknowledge what's really bothering them, and there's a lot of avoidance or even denial of it. So by using I statements and focusing on specific behavior, you hopefully can help avoid some of the defensiveness that happens when you um, communicate in a different way. And you want to try to be as positive as you can. If you have someone doing something um, that's irritating you, to say stop doing that may not achieve the outcome that you want because sometimes people don't feel like what they're doing is wrong. Uh, You might offer a different alternative that uh, rather than do this, which you consider uh, doing something different, and that way you're being more positive, and that way you're planting the seed to help people uh, to be more cooperative. And what's really important is you have to listen. Uh, tell people there's a reason you got two ears and one mouth, that you are supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. Uh, one technique that I've used with couples uh, when they're talking is to get an object. It might be um, like one of those squeezy balls or some soft object. And the rule is you can only talk when you have the object in your hand. So it kind of forces people to listen because oftentimes when we're talking with people, we're not really listening at what they're saying. We're planning what we're going to say in response to what they're saying. And if someone is getting on you about something, you're already angry and frustrated about it, you're not going to be doing much listening. You're going to be planning how you're going to defend yourself and how you're going to disagree. So the first key to a successful conflict resolution is for you to be able to clearly state what it is that's bothering you and ideally to have some statement about what you want to be different. Uh, or how you want that person to be different. But it's very important that you own up to your feelings, that you separate your feelings from the behavior, and that you try to be as positive as you can in trying to get that person to understand what they're doing that's affecting you and why it's affecting you that way. Because sometimes people think, well, I didn't mean any harm, so why are you reacting that way? Well, that discounts a person's feelings. Whether you think their feelings are legitimate or not, when you say, I don't mean in harm, why are you reacting that way, you're basically saying, well, you shouldn't be feeling that way. Right. And a lot of people will get more frustrated when you discount their feelings because whether you agree with it or not, that's what they're feeling, and you can't really argue with their feelings. Whether you think they're legitimate or not, we have to allow that person to express themselves. The second part of that is that each person needs to be able to be specific about what it is that the person is doing that's bothering them, Uh, be specific about current issues. A lot of times people can't resolve their conflicts because they have a hard time letting go of stuff that happened in the past. You make a mistake, and then your partner holds it against you for the rest of your life, and it's a lot of remember wins or you always, you never... And those are fighting words. That just makes people uh, more defensive. So it's very important to try to focus 
on current events and try to move forward, that doesn't mean that you forget about the past or that you uh, don't hold people accountable, but oftentimes people miss opportunities to move forward in a relationship and resolving conflict because they dwell on the past too much. So when you're trying to explain to your partner what the disagreement is about, it's better to focus on current specific behavior and to avoid rehashing old issues. Uh, sometimes, so, uh, yes. In that situation, would it be best to for the the two the couple to kind of jot down things that they want to bring up so that they maybe don't pull back from past issues? Yeah, that would be one thing. Is that you know, it's, you plan what you're going to discuss. You say these are three things that really irritate me, so let's deal with this one, and then you work through one at a time. Don't stockpile it and then just blast someone with a truckload of stuff that you've piled up. But that would be one way to let that person know these are the things that we need to discuss. We might not be able to do all of them right now, but let's agree on one that we're going to work on, and then these are the ones that we'll come back to later. And that's not the same as holding on to the past. That's more of a cooperative way of prioritizing which ones you want to start with. But the agreement is that you're going to come back. Now, what happens a lot of times is people say we're going to come back to it, but because they're really trying to avoid it in the first place, then they don't come back to it. So if you feel something is too volatile for you to deal with at that point, you might say, well, let's put this one on the back burner for a minute. Let's deal with this one, and we'll come back to that one. But it's very important that if you do that, that you really go back to it because nothing can destroy trust more than saying, I'm going to come back and deal with this, and then you don't do it. And if the other person tries to get back to it, uh, you avoid it. So the key here is trying to understand what is it that you're disagreeing about because, believe it or not, sometimes people aren't that far apart on what they want, but because of the way they communicate, it seems like it's more of a conflict than it really is. So they aggravate the conflict because of poor communication and because one person is not listening or the other person might not be specific about what they want. And that's why you want to focus on specific behaviors. Uh, We choose which emotions we want to attach to behavior. And sometimes because people are different and they react differently to circumstances, um, one person might be more reactive because it stirs up some unresolved issues that they're struggling with or because there's a lack of trust in the relationship and they don't believe the person is being honest with them. And so the more specific you can be and the more you focus on behavior, then the better chance you have of resolving that problem. So you want to state what's bothering you, using I statements and being very specific about behavior, Uh, You want to focus on current issues and avoid rehashing old issues. And then you want to negotiate until you can reach an agreement. Now, sometimes people are impatient. Um, They want what they want when they want it, and they just want to say, well, this is what bothered me. Stop doing it and think it's going to be automatic. But uh, things take time sometimes. And so you have to sometimes agree to disagree. And you might want to revisit something. Don't just give up altogether and say, well, I don't agree with you and we just can't resolve this and give up. Sometimes 
You, you know, I think that's it. the hardest thing for us to do sometimes is to agree to disagree. Well, because, because, like you say, everybody wants to win their way. Well, people think that it's a win-lose situation. If I give in to you, that means you win and I lose. What you're really striving for is a win-win situation where each person gets a little bit of what they want, and therefore you both feel like you're getting something. But most of us grew up in environments where if there was an argument or a disagreement, then your belief is, well, there's got to be a winner and a loser. So if I give in to you, that means you win and I lose. So sometimes both people end up losing because they miss opportunities to reach a compromise because they're so rigid in trying to get their way that they forget, you know, they overlook situations where each person might get a little bit of what you want. So there has to be give and take. And nothing is permanent, or it shouldn't be in the relationship, but if you consistently use these methods to communicate about conflicts and to try to reconcile conflicts, then over a period of time, Hopefully there's enough win and lose that it balances out. But if one person is rigid and always wanting to have their way and never gives in, that tends to aggravate conflict more and makes it more difficult for people uh, to resolve things. But it's perfectly okay to disagree. It's perfectly okay to have different opinions about things. But unfortunately, sometimes people are too rigid and they want things to be a certain way that they aren't willing to even consider other alternatives. But I think the key is that both parties need to want to resolve the conflict. If you have one person who does not have a commitment to resolving the conflict or one who just perpetuates the conflict, then that makes it difficult. One person can't do it by themselves. It takes a certain amount of cooperation and collaboration to resolve any conflict. It's not realistic that you're going to be in a relationship and never have conflict. And in most instances, regardless of the nature of the conflict, if both people are committed to try to reach a compromise and make it work, then typically they can uh, get things resolved. But again, I think both parties need to have the desire uh, and to not be so selfish and self-centered. Well, now, how how would you go about if? Say a couple had a lot of past issues that had never been dealt with. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, how would you go about, I mean, would you do it the same way as far as trying to resolve them? You you would just allow them to bring up the things in the past and deal with them one at a time to try to resolve them? Or, I mean, how could a person actually get closure to past well, that issues? Well, really, that depends on what the issues are. Now, there are some things that are so hurtful that it's not realistic for that person to let go without some resolution. So a lot of it depends on what is it that the individual who has been hurt, what are they looking for and what is it that they're wanting? Because sometimes you have to be willing to forgive that person in order to get closure, but sometimes people can be hurt so badly that they don't feel capable of letting go, or they feel like they got to, um, you know, get their way or get some peace from it. Sometimes I think you just have to decide, I'm going to let that go and move on. Um, but it really depends on what the nature of the conflict is and what happened to hurt someone. For example, if it's a case of infidelity, for example, 
that might not be as easy for someone to let go <clears throat> because of the damage that it does to the trust in that relationship and because that person might not feel that the person who offended them uh, was regretful or they aren't convinced that they won't do it again. And if a person doesn't feel that there's enough trust to let go of it, then sometimes you have to deal with that yourself um, because depending on what the nature of the conflict is, that other person might not be in a position to where they're willing to do what you expect them to do to resolve it. So I think each couple has to look at each case individually and determine how much pain, how much hurt was there, what did it do to the trust in that relationship. Uh, was there something where someone was uh, emotionally harmed or physically harmed? And so it really depends on the nature of the issue. But at some point, you have to decide, well, I can't keep hanging on to this and letting it you know, interfere with my happiness. And sometimes you just have to be willing to say, I'm going to let it go. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to immediately let go of it. Uh, that doesn't mean that you won't continue to have some of those emotional reactions to it, but again, it really depends on the nature of the conflict and what behavior that person exhibited uh, to make you feel hurt or that damaged the trust in that relationship. Well, now, I, I know of a young lady. She didn't grow up with her father. I mean, this is different, I mean, because it's a father-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. But um, she finally met him when she was an adult almost 30, mm -hmm. and um, she was looking for that fatherly figure. She was looking for that concerned parent that called to check on his child, that wanted to make sure his child was okay, but mm -hmm. that's what she was looking for. But she, he was, he treated her like, basically like she was just a baby mama. Mm -hmm. You know, if he talked to her once a year, he expected her to be happy just to talk that once a year. Mm-hmm. And he even told her, let happy times be happy times. And, you know, and I, I was trying to tell her that she's going to really have to, she really needed to, to focus her mind to the fact that he's just not a father. Right. You know, I mean, because he's he's never had to be a father. I mean, he has other children that he wasn't uh, instrumental with. And like I told her, I said, you know, you're looking for something that evidently he, he just doesn't have in him. Oh, well, that's true, and so you can't make up for lost time. You, you can't fill that void with that many years, and you have to. There are so many missing pieces that there's no way that you can go back and rebuild that relationship and make up for what's been missed over the years. So, realistically, you have to decide: I can't undo what's happened in the past. I can't make up the gap that's existed between us. And you have to decide, do I want a relationship with this person and how do we move forward? How do we want the relationship to be as we move forward? If you have a situation where a child is separated from one of their parents at an early age and they don't meet that person again until an adult, chances are you're not going to have a typical parent-child relationship with that person and you can have a friendly relationship with that person, and you might have some feelings of the emotional attachments that go with the parent, but you can't go back and make up for that many years 
in a matter of time. If you think about it this way, if you go into the forest two miles, it's going to take you two miles to come out of the forest. And so if you have had a 15-year gap in your relationship, then you're not going to make that up in a matter of months or even a few years because some of that you can't go back and make up. And you have to admit, well, we missed that opportunity. That void is going to be there. Do I want to have a relationship with this person? And what type of relationship is the most realistic and practical to have with this person as we move forward? And there are people, you know, that have gone through life um, with those voids there. I think about the uh, story of Jack Nicholson, for example. Um, He grew up uh, thinking that this woman was his mother, and it was actually his grandmother. His mother got pregnant when she was a teenager, and his grandmother raised him thinking that this woman was his older sister. Okay. And it was actually his mother. And he didn't find out that this was his mother until after she died and a relative let the cat out the bag and, you know, apparently didn't know that he didn't know. And he didn't find out until after his mother died that this woman that he thought was his sister was actually his mother. And there's um, this lady that works with me, the same kind of thing happened with her husband where he didn't find out that this woman was his mother until he was an adult. And by that time, he had developed a relationship with this woman based on who he thought she was. Right. And so just the knowledge that this is your biological mother can't make up all those years. So if you have a father who's been absent in this child's life for that many years, you can't go back and undo that and make up for it. You just have to decide how can we move forward And do I even want to have a relationship with that person? A lot of it is, too, that you have to realize that chronological age has very little, if anything, to do with emotional maturity. Mm -hmm. And some adults aren't emotionally mature enough to have the type of relationships that they need to have to be a parent. Um, They are fathers. He had had even told her that um, he said that uh, he had, friends, you know, that he only talked to maybe once every nine months, but, mm-hmm. and he made this point of saying, you know, he had friendships with people for like 20 plus years, and, you know, he could talk to them once a year, and it's just like, you know, they just got through talking yesterday, mm-hmm. and I tried to tell him, I said, well, you know, you're talking about people you already had a relationship with, right. you know, about people you had a foundation with, you're talking about an adult child that you never, you know, you never really interacted with. So you can't expect her to act like she's one of your friends or act Mm -hmm. as if you've been in her life the entire time. But to tell her that is really a slap in the face because she's discounting the pain that she's felt over these years of not having a father in her life and all the confusion that goes with that and the ambivalence that goes with that when you finally meet this man. Mm -hmm. And this person, the father, sounds like someone who had trouble with attachments anyway and kept people at a distance and was okay keeping people at a distance. But it's one thing to have that type of a sporadic relationship with a friend or acquaintance. It's a whole different ball game to want to have that type of detached relationship with your daughter. I know. Um, so that he, sounds like a problem. He's very immature 
and probably not capable of having some of the emotional attachments uh, that you would have between a father and a daughter. You know, sometimes people have to face the reality that the relationships in their lives are not going to be, you know, what they want them to be. And well, a and lot there's, of times a lot people of work. have struggles with that. And, and it's a lot of work that goes into a healthy relationship. Yes. You know, I've uh, learned that the hard way work on years. both parts. You know. Right. It right. doesn't happen automatically. Just because someone is your biological parent, doesn't mean that you're going to have the emotional attachments. A lot of children that have behavior problems have difficulty with emotional attachments, and that creates problems in their relationship. So. Yeah, it can make it real, um, real ugly situation. Yeah. Well, it looks like we got a little break coming up. We'll take a break from here and then we'll go to part two on this when we get back from the break okay
Well, folks, welcome back to Let's Straighten It Out. Uh, this is Dr. Bo, a.k.a. Big Easy. Tonight we're talking about how to resolve conflict in a peaceful manner. Our title tonight is Fight Right. Uh, we've had a little bit of a break, so it's good to be back together. And got my sidekick, Denise, here tonight. And we're going to pick up with part two on how to resolve conflict in a peaceful manner. So, Without starting World War Three. <laughs> the key is no aggression. You know, there's a way to agree to disagree and to resolve things. So we mentioned earlier that there are basically three steps to successful conflict resolution. One is to state what's bothering you, uh, using I statements and being specific about the behavior, uh, and to actively listen with that person. The second step is to discuss current events and behaviors to avoid rehashing old issues uh, that sometimes can't be resolved. And the third thing is that sometimes you have to agree to disagree and put things on the back burner until you can be more reasonable and negotiate with a little give and take. The second part here is very important um, because in order for you to have uh, a solid relationship and to be able to deal with the conflicts that are naturally going to come up from time to time, that is you have to be honest. You have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with the other person. And if it's a situation where there's been an episode of dishonesty in particular, if it's infidelity involved, it takes a lot of work and effort and time to rebuild that trust and it's never going to get back to what it was before the trust was betrayed, but it's possible that people can get far enough past the hurt and the pain that they don't let that slow down their relationship or get them locked in time where they can't move on. And so a part of being honest is to not deny the other person's feelings. If someone tells you that what you did hurt them, or made them angry, you shouldn't say, well, you shouldn't feel that way because that denies their feelings. Whatever that person is feeling, you need to let them have that feeling. And ideally, you might want to allow them time to talk about why they feel that way. And sometimes in the process of talking through why they feel that way, then they can resolve that issue themselves. But when you tell someone they shouldn't feel a certain way. One, it's too late because they're already feeling that way. And so to tell them you shouldn't feel that way is kind of discounting their feelings, and it can be an insult to them because no matter whether you think it's legitimate or not, if that's what they're feeling, you need to acknowledge that and try to understand what are some things that you're doing to contribute to that feeling and what can you do differently. But to tell someone that they shouldn't feel a certain way is to deny their feelings. Well, and it's kind of like a form of disrespect, too. I mean, because it's well, like... Yes, it is. You know, you know you're basically I mean, saying you're you know, not intelligent enough to know what you're feeling. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, why would you get insulted or, or feel bad because of that? You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times they um, they will, you know, people will twist the knife in your back knowing you're already wounded mm -hmm. and then not expecting you to complain about the pain. Right. So you want to not deny the other person's feelings, and you want to admit when you're wrong. Some people have a hard time admitting that they're wrong, 
and that comes from a certain amount of insecurity and immaturity because everybody makes mistakes, and sometimes we do things unintentionally that might hurt someone or create uh, conflict in a relationship, but sometimes you have to have the integrity to just admit, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that, I will try to do differently next time. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry that I hurt you, and I was wrong. And sometimes just admitting that is the first step toward that other person beginning the healing process. Um, But if you are the type of person that is never willing to admit that you made a mistake, um, that's a very arrogant thing for one thing, but it creates a wall there sometimes that, it's difficult to overcome. So you want to admit when you're wrong and make an effort uh, to do something to fix it. I think it's important for you to not be so paranoid that you think your partner's out to get you. Um, When you have someone who is insecure, they read into someone's behavior sometimes more than what's there, and they attach interpretations to that behavior that might not be accurate, but the person's perception is their reality. If they feel that you've done something to hurt them, whether you did or not, if that's their perception, then you need to let them own that. But it's important that you don't allow your paranoia, for lack of a better word, to get in the way of reality. And sometimes the person might say, well, I apologize. Well, you don't really mean that. You don't really know what that person means in their heart. And sometimes when people apologize, they don't mean it as sincerely at that point as they might eventually, but that's another way of denying that person's feelings. They say, I'm sorry, and you say, well, you don't really mean that. Um, You're both kind of creating a wall there because you're not acknowledging that person's uh, sincerity. Um, And you have to have some assumption that your partner wants to be happy in the relationship and they want to be with you. But a lot of that comes from being able to be honest with each other and to state the facts. Sometimes we don't say things because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but then they find out from someone else and they're more hurt because you have to fess up, well, I should have told you that, but I didn't for whatever reason. And so honesty is the best policy, um, even when it hurts. Now, there are very few instances that I think that um, you can justify not being honest with someone, but 99.9% of the time I think that there is a tactful way to be honest. You don't want to just smack somebody in the face (laughs) with honesty (laughs) when you know it's going to create more pain. Well, but if they're if they're not hearing you, I mean, if you if you if you try to be sensitive and everything, and they're not listening, and they're just you know brushing over your 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 statement or whatever, you know, sometimes you might have to. Well, I know I had to get in somebody's face one time and tell them mm-hmm. I didn't love them. You know, <laughs> I just I mean I screamed at them. Your role is to tell someone how you feel, what you think, and after that, it's up to them where they go with it and what they do with it. So if you are honest with someone and they aren't ready to hear it, then you've really done all you can do. 
You can't force that person to accept it or to hear it differently. And sometimes all that is is planting the seed. It's like forgiving. When you say, I forgive you, that's just the beginning of it. You're planting the seed. Hopefully over time you nurture that and you eventually become more forgiving. But when you first say it, you're still a little pissed off at that person. You're still a little angry. Um, but you have to start somewhere. So uh, being honest, you don't want to just blast someone. There are some people that think they can just say whatever they want to say just because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes you Without any repercussions. Want, yeah, but you want to temper that sometimes. And that's not being dishonest. I used to tell my kids, you know, what's the difference between telling a lie and not telling the truth? You know, uh, honest is the best policy, but sometimes you have to determine, will it do any good? If that person is not ready to hear it or not willing to hear it, then you've heard those saying you don't cast pearls to swine. Uh, If they're not ready to hear it, then your honesty might not be heard at that point, but sometimes it plants the seed and eventually that person might come around, but they might not ever. But all you have control over is to tell them what you think and feel and then give them time to resolve it. And, again, a lot of this depends on what the issues are. Now, there are some issues where uh, people do things that are just extremely wrong and they don't want to talk about it, and they stonewall and they think, well, that's okay. That's not what I'm talking about, but... In most instances, it's best to be straightforward and honest with people because even if they don't like it and it hurts, if you're consistently honest, that can help to rebuild the trust. Sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. I was trying to remember the name of that Jack Nicholson movie where he says you can't handle the truth. Sometimes people can't handle the truth. Um, But all you can do is tell the person how you feel and what you think. You can't control what their reaction is going to be and what kind of emotions uh, that they're going to have, but you can be honest about what your feelings are. And I think that you have to try to put yourself in that other person's shoes. You know, how would you feel if the shoe were on the other foot, if you were on the receiving end? And that's what we forget sometimes. We get so selfish and self-centered that we are trying to have our way and to get our needs met, that we forget what would it be like if I were in this you know, person's shoes. So um, everything is relative. So sometimes you have to postpone being brutally honest with someone, especially if they aren't ready to hear it or if it's going to be hurtful. Uh, and that's really difficult to tell when to do that, and sometimes it's a judgment call. And you have to hopefully know your partner to know when that's going to help and when it's not going to help. Sometimes a relationship is so far gone that honesty doesn't help because the person has too much baggage and they're not willing to let go of some of that baggage. But ideally, uh, you want to work together. And sometimes when you have conflict, you just have to take a time out and say, we're going to come back to that later because you're kind of, going up one wall and down the other, you're not getting anywhere. Both people are frustrated. So sometimes you just have to say, let's take a break here. We'll come back to it. But, again, you make sure you get back to it because I think that one of the reasons that people have conflict 
is because of disagreements and because there's a loss of trust in that relationship. But the honesty is what's going to help rebuild that trust. But sometimes being honest means telling people something that they don't want to hear. And I think in the long haul, it's best to tell people what they need to hear, even though it might not be something that they want to hear. But then you got to be patient and give them enough time uh, to recover and to chew on it a little bit, and hopefully they'll eventually come around and be willing to accept it. But you have to look at each situation individually, and sometimes people just aren't a good match for each other. Um, there's a an emotional maturity gap, and it's not always built around their chronological age. Uh, they can be the same age and have a big gap, or there could be a chronological gap in their age, but they have more emotional maturity. So you have to look at with that other person, how mature are they? You know, how stable are they? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you're dealing with is someone who's just very immature, selfish, and people like that are much more difficult to resolve, resolve conflict because of their level of immaturity. Yeah, because I, I know it's a lot of um, selfish people out in relationships now, and you know, I just I just listen to some of my friends and. Um, the kind of things they say and the demands that they put on their mate and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of it's just purely being selfish. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of selfish people, and um have to go out there and say statistically it's more men than women. <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably right on that one. <laughs> I call it like it is. Um but some of that, I think, is the cost of the way that we're raised. And um, people, I can't say this enough. Unfortunately, people don't do enough soul-searching investigation and thinking before they get into relationships. And unfortunately, a lot of times relationships are based on a physical attraction or a physical or sexual thing to where people... Mm-hmm finally wake up and see that they're really not compatible with that person. And I think people need to take some time to think about who would be my ideal mate. What is it that I'm looking for in their physical appearance? What is it that I'm looking for in their personality traits, in their character? What are some things that I just absolutely have to have? What are some things that I'm willing to kind of compromise a little bit and what are the deal breakers? What are some things that I'm just not willing to put up with? And right. you have to do that assessment. And I've had people to do that, to you know, to make a column, three columns, and in one to write down the characteristics and traits that you absolutely value so much that you absolutely have to have these traits. What are some that you're willing to waver a little bit? And what are some that you're just not willing to compromise? If more people did that on the front end before they became physically involved, before they became emotionally involved with that person, I think you'd have more successful relationships. But a lot of times people go into relationships without any pre-planning or assessment. It's strictly physical, sexual, and whatever their dependence needs might be. But most people don't take the time to make that assessment of who they're looking for. 
or they are looking for someone that they think would be the ideal mate, but when they really stop to think about it, the person that they pick sometimes can be so far from ideal that it's not even funny. But I think it's well, important I, I for people, a, you know, to take that assessment on the front end. Uh, and I think a lot of people really don't sit down and have that serious conversation with themselves to really mm-hmm. soul search and, and realize what they you know, and sometimes you can want certain things, but it's it's not going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. So rather than uh, really looking at what they really need from another person, they they just kind of go off of what they want. Right, and I, a lot of people don't really know what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't taken the time, and you know what happens more often than not is they compromise because they think they can change that person. Well, you know, this person right. you know, is a drunkard or a drug user. They're irresponsible and lazy. And you think, well, they just haven't met the right person. I'm going to fix this person. Right. And you find out years down the road that you wasted your time because they're still who they are. And a lot of times people go into relationships expecting other people to change and think, well, I can fix that. What you see is what you get. You know, and well, I tell you, told. Our sons, if you want to know how someone is going to be, look at how the man treats his mother, look at how the woman relates to her father, and that gives you a clue of what kind of person they're going to be. If you have a man that's not loving and responsible toward his mother, then I guarantee he's not going to be loving and responsible toward you. And sometimes people see these signs, but they ignore it and overlook it because they think, well, I can change that person or they're going to change. No, what you see is what they're going to be 10 years from now, and you're wasting your time if you think you're going to change that person. If you feel like you got to make too many changes, then that's a sign that you're not compatible and you need to just pack up and keep going. But some people uh, get a little desperate and they think, well, I can fix it, and they don't realize that that person is not going to change. By the time a person gets to be 20, 21 years old, um, they are who they're going to be. And it's not to say that they will never change, but it's very unlikely that they're going to be much different from what you see with them. And if you think you can change them, uh, one, is not realistic. Two, is not fair to that person because, you know, who are you to tell them that they have to be different? So if the well, person doesn't already have the characteristics that you're looking for, then you're better off to just keep going until you find someone who has more of the character traits that you're looking for. So now, who do, who do you think, uh, what sex do you think generally want to fix the problem, men, more men or women? Women. <laughs> <laughs> we're men want to fix we're, things, women want to fix people. <laughs> we're, we're just suckers for a good project, huh? Well, but some of it, that's the maternal instinct. You, you know, you think I can fix this person, I can change that person, but a more realistic approach would be, hey, this is not what I want, so let me keep looking <laughs> until right, I find keep it someone moving. a little bit closer. But I think that people just need to really take the time to do some soul searching. If you were to just do a straw vote of the average person on the street and just ask them, Describe the ideal mate for you. I guarantee you most of them will not have taken the time to look at what they want. And the ones who have, I guarantee you that they've compromised on some of those things that are important to you. We need to know what our values are. 
Or are they gonna they're gonna give you all the the typical the the surface answers you know tall good looking mm-hmm. dark this that and other they're gonna give you all the superficial things mm-hmm. and they're not gonna really think about think about the emotional needs that they have from another mm-hmm. person that they're you know trying to make their significant other or mate. Yeah, so I think it's important for people to take the time to make that assessment of you know what is the ideal person for me. And you can look at the if you've been in a series of relationships and they didn't work out, then the common denominator is you. Right. <laughs> it, it might not be the other person. It <laughs> might be you. Uh, and it might be that you're not willing to be patient enough to find the person that's going to have the majority of the characteristics. Nobody's perfect. And you're not going to find anybody who has all of those characteristics. And I've seen situations where people um, bypass really good mates because that person didn't look a certain way or they weren't rich and they didn't have certain material things. Or they didn't work at a particular type job. They were unrealistic. And so I think it's important for people to take that time to make that assessment of, um, you know, what they're wanting. So if you're fortunate enough to have someone that you have a decent relationship with but you find yourself uh, having conflicts with that person, I think it's important for you to make time to kind of re- get reacquainted with each other, uh, set aside time to date, you know, to go back to doing some of those things when you were dating that person and trying to impress them. You want to look at what was it that attracted me to this person in the first place. Mm -hmm. A lot of times because people get into relationships um, blindly and then they wake up to reality and realize that this person is not the person that they thought or when the reality sets in that over time your appearance changes, your behavior changes, you find out these bad habits (laughs) that a person has and then you find out, well, who is this person? How did I end up with them? Well, you chose them, and I think that it's important for couples to kind of get back to what was it that attracted us in the first place. Um, one of the things that you know my wife and I do frequently is that we reminisce about the days when we first met, and mm-hmm. uh, each year we go back and we redo some of the things that we did when we um, first met each other. And you have to kind of remember what was it that attracted you to that person and how can we keep that going? How can we do some of the things that we used to do? Because, unfortunately, after a while, people start taking each other for granted. Mm -hmm. And you get stuck in that rut of of everyday existence. Mm -hmm. And you have to make, even if you have children, uh, particularly if you have children, you need. Hopefully, you would have someone that will keep your children, you know, long enough for you to have a little time. Now, if you got some baby kids and <laughs> nobody wants to be bothered with them, you might be in trouble. <laughs> Look, you might have to use that old trick of giving them that Tylenol and putting them in the bed early. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that people need to make time to. Uh, spend time together to reminisce about the things that brought you together and try to keep the, you know, excitement in the relationship, you know, doing things for each other that can uh, stimulate some of those feelings that brought you together in the first place. 
Um, well, and, and I think, too, a lot of times that once you actually get in the relationship, you know, in the beginning you do so much talking, you know, especially back in the day, you mm-hmm. would do, you know, all this telephone talk, you talk, 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 talk for hours. Right. And once you get married, you, you kind of, you don't talk as much yeah. sometimes, you know. Some, you kind of coexist, people, they, you're kind yeah, of you just kind of coexist. Like, you know, so. But I think, it's, you know, that's one of those instances where I tell people, that it's okay to fake it till you make it. <laughs> you might not have the feelings uh, initially, but uh, you can act yourself into a better way of feeling. Um, getting flowers for no apparent reason, you know, little gifts. Uh, we, I, I was looking through some things, and I ran across this book, and I found something that was just really heartwarming. When my our youngest son was a little kid. Almost every day when he would come home from daycare, he would stop and get dandelions uh, for my wife. And sometimes they would be still yellow and, you know, you would laugh. But he would get so frustrated because he couldn't figure out why um, between the time he pulled this in the yard and got to the front door, all the little fronds had blown off. Okay. (laughs) And he would get frustrated. I found a little green stem in his book with one of the dandelions that he had picked, and she would just make a big deal out of it because he thought enough that he was going to get her flower. Okay. Sometimes something that simple can be so meaningful, and with a couple, you have to think about what are some little things that you can do just to say, I care, I'm thinking about you, I remember this from our dating days, and now sometimes you know it's that it's still important to me. Right now, you know the relationship is in trouble when someone gets suspicious when you do something nice. But what that means is you're not doing it often enough to keep them from being suspicious. But I think that those are the keys to uh, helping people to rekindle the fire uh, in their relationship and to um, make sure that you're being thoughtful. So. Hopefully these things have been helpful for people to remember um, that you want to take the time to resolve these conflicts and to remember why you got together in the first place. But um, again, this is not for those domestic violence cases where it's too far gone. This is for people that really care about each other and that want to resolve the relationship in a peaceful manner. Well, uh, I guess it's about time to scoot on out of here until next week. Yeah, time flies. So, so we thank people for tuning in and join us next week, and we'll come up with something that hopefully will be interesting. And you take care, Mr. Denise, and we'll see you next week. All right, then. Well, you have a good weekend, Bob. Okay. <laughs>